Uh, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Um, didn't get a chance to do an introduction at the beginning of the service, but um, uh, I'm Nick, uh, the lead pastor here at Redemption, and um, yeah, so so glad to have you here. Um, it, it's so uh, it's a great bombardment on the mind and the emotions to read through so many different scriptures and to have all of these before us, but we want to. Um, you know, really uh, bring you into that experience of, of um, realizing uh, what it is that Jesus has done um, on the cross. And so, um, if, you, if you would with me for a moment, um, let's pray. Father, there are many things in the scriptures, and of primary importance is the death of God the death of the crucified one, of Jesus. And so, Father, we ask that you would show us uh, what this really means, um, that our hearts and our minds, our affections, our wills, um, all that we are, all who we are, um, would grasp hold of Jesus as you've presented him in the scriptures, as he lived and as he died and as he offers us the forgiveness of sins. So, Father, we ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to understand this message. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, so, so why do we call it Good Friday um, when this day is marked by death? Have you thought about that at all? Um, you know, it's a, it's a day, as, as we've, you know, read through some of these passages, it's a day filled with grief and and. Um, and, and great sadness and sorrow. And if we talked about all of the realities that happen on this dark day, uh, we would probably give all the children who are present severe nightmares tonight before bed. Um, so why don't, why don't we just call it Bad Friday or um, Sad Friday? You know, some traditions call it Holy Friday or Sorrowful Friday, uh, the Greeks one-upped all of us because they call it Great Friday. Um, you know, probably the reason, though, we call it Good Friday is uh, from the Old English, um, God's Friday, God's good, and somewhere along the translation, you know, transliteration thing, uh, that's how it happened. Fun facts, right? So call it Good Friday or don't call it Good Friday. Um, Nobody can dispute that on this day, it was a very bad Friday for Jesus, and for anyone who believes in this Christ, it becomes a very good Friday, doesn't it? If Christmas is about God with us, and Easter is about God going ahead of us, as it were, uh, Good Friday is great because it reminds us that, that God, that Jesus is God, and he's a God who is for us in our sins and in our sorrows. In Christ, God suffered. So he knows intimately and personally and deeply what it's like to endure hardship and to suffer affliction and abandonment and injustice. Good Friday is the day that Jesus, who knew no sin, not a single one, is, I, I know many sins. Man, I'm familiar with sins pretty closely. 
Now, he knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, knowing myself, uh, taking a, a look back at my life in its entirety, and, and just last week, uh, this past week, you know, I've made and I continually make bad choices. Anybody else make a lot of bad decisions in life? See some smiles there. Oh, see some young ones too saying it. That's right. It happens at a young age since, since birth. Um, so I'll do things that I know that will, that will bring me pain and, and regret and remorse and guilt and that I know won't make me happy, but I'll still do them. Uh, and then, you know, reading a book or just, you know, through thinking about what I just did or, or in, in prayer, um, uh, I come to my senses again and, and guess what? I do it all over again. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll will to try to do better next time, and guess what? It never works. Ah. Uh, so listen uh, for that silver bullet. Uh, try to find that news column or that opinion article, or maybe listen to a TED Talk um, to try to figure it out, or you know, going down the lowest of lows, uh, winding up in a bookstore, um, scrolling past the self-help section and going, maybe I might want to check something out really quick because maybe I can find something that's going to fix me the lowest of lows. But if you're at all like me, this is exactly why we need Good Friday. It's exactly what makes Good Friday so good. Uh, Because Jesus doesn't appeal to our felt needs. He doesn't uh, appeal to um, our our make-me-better goals, our to-do lists or not-to-do lists. Um, on Good Friday, Jesus doesn't make this, you know, fantastic William Wallace speech that rallies the Scottish armies and, you know, gets everybody gung-ho. Um, on Good Friday, Jesus doesn't call us to arms. On Good Friday, Jesus doesn't inspire us like we've never been inspired before through a TED Talk or uh, doesn't show us something that we've never seen before ever like The Bachelor Promises. Just got to throw that one out there for some people. Um, on Good Friday, Jesus doesn't tell us what Grandpa used to tell us, you know, um, come on, son, just, you know, get your act together, make some better choices. He does none of that. We get no self-help therapy. We get no pep talks. Instead, he knows we're trapped. He knows we're in this paralysis, this total inability And seeing that, that we cannot help ourselves, we cannot make ourselves better, we cannot dig ourselves out of this grave, he does what? He gives himself for us. He takes our sin upon himself. Does the very thing that we needed most and we didn't realize it. And so tonight, very briefly and quickly, um, I thought it would be good to... Um, really reflect on um, what's known as the seven words uh, from the cross. Jesus' last words as he hung on the cross. Um, And so I want to start with the first. Um, The first word, he said, Father, forgive them. So this is, you know, the clock of his crucifixion is winding. Only has so much time left. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is his first word. You hear the absolution in that? Forgive them. They're ignorant. They're oblivious to what's going on. I mean, these are absolving 
comforting, understanding words that meet us where we are. We know we do wrong, sure. We mess up. Jesus comes in and he says, I forgive you for what you've done and for all the things that you didn't even know you did. Um, In our household, um, I constantly forget to take out the trash, like all the time. And uh, the, uh, the theory, the running joke in our house is uh, that I do it on purpose, so I don't have to take out the trash. It's not true. I actually do forget. I forget. So, but me forgetting to take out the trash isn't right, and I still do that occasionally, or more than occasionally. Um, the pardoning words of Jesus here are for all those times I never took out the trash. Uh, Jesus forgives us not just for uh, what we do, but also for who we are. So even Mr. Forgetful uh, can be forgiven by this Jesus, such that he remembers your sin no more. He forgets your sin. Uh, second word of Jesus as he's hanging on the cross, Truly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. These are taken from all the Gospels, not just John, as we read. So uh, an absolving word would be meaningless if after hearing it we're burning in hell or we're told we need to try harder next time. And so the second word of Jesus is astounding, and it's good news. Um, It's forgiveness in practice. So this criminal who's hanging next to him on the cross, this thief who's lived his life and squandered it, um, to that person, Jesus welcomes him into his kingdom. Not because he did anything good, but because he believed in the one who's hanging next to him, bearing his sins on that cross. Even the worst kind of criminal can receive a pardon from this Lord. And so what sins are holding you down? What sins are you hiding? Bring them to Jesus. Confess them. He can forgive them. No strings attached. The third word, son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. So God's a God of detail. And in the scriptures, um, we see in the Bible, you know, the way that each story is told, it's, it's told with such enormous detail and with intricacy, and it fits together and holds together, and um, the, more you, the more you read it, the more you see how, how it fits together. Um, and so it's not surprising, though, that, that while hanging on the cross, about to die, Jesus moves us with comforting words for his own mother, Mary. She's grieving, watching her son die, and he fills her with hope. And gives her this this word that restores her soul in a sense by giving her a son as he's dying. So John, a new son, to care for her. And so at his death, we see Jesus is mending families. At his death, he's bringing uh, restoration, reparation uh, in the mix. He gave Lazarus back to his family. He gave the daughter back to the Roman, Roman centurion. Um, like I said, God's a God of details, so he, he even restores the ear of the dude Malchus. Remember when his, he, he's, he's there to arrest Jesus in the garden, and, and he shows up, and, and Peter, you know, crazy Peter, he chops the ear off. Jesus heals that ear. 
even restores an ear. A God of detail, a God who, no matter um, how obscure you think you are, no matter how meaningless and unimportant and insignificant you think your life has been, this is a God who cares enough about you to know your name. To know your name to such a degree that, um, that he actually writes it in the book of life with ink that is his own blood. And he gives us a family in his church. The fourth word, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22 as we read, it's a cry of dereliction, of abandonment, and Jesus identifies with us as a victim, as a sufferer, as one who's been oppressed and cursed and cut off and kicked to the curb and cast aside and alone. And so, I mean, if you've been upset about any injustices, whether they've been personal grievances, personal injustices that you faced in your life, or stuff that you hear about, or you see your neighbor going through, from the killing of unarmed black men in our country to the neglect of the poor on the streets, um, Jesus is with you in your suffering. Jesus can identify as one who has suffered injustice to the fullest. When you've been diagnosed with cancer or a family member has, or you've lost a loved one, God is with you in the deep of your pain in Christ. He's not absent, but he is present with you in your suffering, such that you're never alone. Uh, the fifth word, I thirst. Um, if you're familiar with um, this scene, um, the first time he was asked, he refuses the wine. Um, the second time, he drinks it. He refuses the first time because it has a sedative in it, and he doesn't want to numb the pain. He, 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 he wants to bear our sins and the pain to the fullest. And so when he cries out, I thirst, he says that to take the sour wine, uh, which is a mixed wine with, uh, with vinegar, um, on his lips. Anyone ever, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, um, but I, I mean, I whatever, you can. Um, anyone ever drink Simpler Times from Trader Joe's? <laughs> okay, there we go, there's at least one person. Um, yeah, it's like three bucks for a six-pack. Um, it's the poor man's beer. Um, so um, this right here, the sour wine, is essentially the poor man's wine. It is the two-buck chuck. And, um, and so Jesus is not drinking the drink of the wealthy, but the, the drink of the poor, the poor man's whiskey, the poor man's brew. Um, does it surprise you at all that Jesus, who came into this world, born into a poor family, um, born outside in a feeding trough for animals, uh, now he's leaving this world drinking the wine of the poor. Jesus humbled himself so much to the point of death for us. He gave up his rights, he gave up his status, he gave up his privilege. He knew what it was like 
to not have enough and to thirst and to really want. And, and, and he knows what it's like to be in need. The sixth word on the cross, it is finished. Man, those are words that I need to hear every morning. It is finished. Um, the law of God tells us what to do. Jesus declares here, before his final word, um, that all has been done. All that he was sent here to do is finished. The gospel tells us it is finished. Nothing else for you to do to win acceptance with God. Jesus has done everything required. Paid in full. He's done it all. The law says do this, and the gospel says believe this, and it is done already. Do you believe that good news? The seventh word from the cross, the last words of Jesus on this earth as a mortal, uh, unresurrected man. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The last words before he dies. He ends his life as he lived his entire life, trusting in God. The very end of Good Friday, we meet this decision to trust. To entrust one's life and one's death unto the only one who can actually control things. We give up control and we give it to the one who's in control. And so on this day, Jesus was forsaken on this dark day, Good Friday, so that those who believe in Jesus would not be forsaken on the last day. And even in death, God will be for us and with us. In Hebrews 12, the author of Hebrews calls us to look to Jesus. The author says, The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you know that um, Jesus talked about joy seven times before his death? He spoke of joy seven times. How can somebody be joyful when they're about to be killed? How can somebody be joyful when they just had a miscarriage? How can somebody be joyful when you face wrong at your job? How can somebody be joyful when life isn't going the way it should for me? In spite of my best efforts, maybe as a parent, to um, rein things down, and my kids are just not listening to me right now. How can somebody be joyful when a friend doesn't reciprocate a friendship? How can I have joy in the midst of a world that is broken, that has hurt and pain? How can I have joy when I'm anxious? Joy is possible, not just possible, but it's actually promised. It's able to be given as a gift uh, because Jesus had joy in the most agonizing and worst circumstances that you can think of because of the joy that was set before him. 
the joy of the Father's approval, the joy of seeing people whom He loved receiving the Father's approval through faith in Him, the joy of glory that is eternal, that is the joy that was set before Him and that fills us with joy. It's the Easter Sunday, all the good feels um, that we'll hear about in just two, uh, three days. So joy is possible. Joy is for you if you're in Jesus Christ, no matter what happens to you. Um, good or evil, great or meh experiences, another day of failure or a day of some successes. Joy is actual. In Christ you are loved. In Christ you're accepted. In Christ you are free. And you have the gift of joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your one and only Son was given for us, that he was gifted to us in a way that we have such a hard time grasping. He was in a trash heap for us outside the city gates of Jerusalem, that he bore our shame, he bore our sin, he bore the curse of your law, as he was hung on a tree. And so, Father, we remember this day as a true historical event, as something that happened now pretty long, long ago, and yet it's something that can affect us in this very moment in time and space in our history. Because through this Son who was given... You offer us your grace. You offer us your love in Christ. So, Father, I pray that those who have heard this message would have ears to hear and that they would hope in you. Amen.